Today we'll look at discipleship study, and um, we looked at all this previously, so um, we come to the basic New Testament teaching on conversion. And this is a brief, but behind this we do various studies for people to understand this fully. So last time we did a Word of God study, and um, today we're looking at discipleship. Okay, and um, now, why have I put this sister's photograph there? This sister is called Esther. She passed away last week. Sorry, Abisola. Okay, I knew her as Esther, but Abisola. And um, why am I sharing about her? You remember when I said I became a disciple, and the first person I met that I'm studying the Bible with, happens to be Esther's cousin, Esther and uh, Tunde. And uh, they used to persecute me, get out of our house, leave our cousin alone and all that. So we're studying the Bible and I said to you, this guy said, oh, when do I get baptized? And I said, oh, you need to come to church. So he came to church and uh, on Sunday, these two girls, then they were girls, Bishola and Tunde were trying to come and get their brother out of the church. Of course, they came and the fellowship was warm and wonderful. So guess what? They studied the Bible and got baptized. And I tell you, this woman met so many people to become Christians. Okay. And um, to me, I thought, wow. So, yeah, apparently she had cancer, grew very rapidly, and she died last week. I didn't know. I only found out yesterday because uh, Tunde was trying to contact me through Julie D'Souza. So I only found out yesterday, but I remember that smile. So when I think of her, that is the smile. She was always very infectious with her smile. But you know what? She's going to rest. Yeah. And I said to Tunde today, Tunde, I need to remain faithful so I may see Esther again. She's finished the race. So faithful in the Lord. But um, the things we do as disciples affect others. Me meeting a teenage guy whose cousin taught, who, is, who are you? And then they became disciples and they help others become disciples. And she's only 50 years old. She's gone. But she's gone to a good place. She's gone to a good place. We need to be faithful to be there as well. But with God's help, we will. Amen? With God's help, nothing will take that love away from us. So we're going to discipleship. And uh, the purpose of discipleship studies, how did this study convict me? Always begin with that. Pray for noble hearts and for the spirit to work, as you study with people. I always ask myself, how did the discipleship study convict, convicted me the first time I studied it? Okay, and I'll share a bit about that. So the purpose is to clarify what or who a Christian is from the Bible. Because most people go around thinking they are Christians. But it's from either tradition or the family they were born into. And they claim to be Christians. But what would the Bible say a Christian is? And then to inspire people to follow Jesus, to be disciples of Christ. Those are, that's the purpose of, of what we do when we are studying discipleship. It's not to go and condemn people, but actually inspire people to see God's word 
and prayerfully, if they are not disciples, decide we are going to be disciples of Christ. If they are disciples, they are our brothers and sisters. And we'll call them to the same commitment and we'll work with them. Amen? Amen. And um, so, this study is so foundational for clearing religious confusion. And I mean that seriously. Uh, there is so much confusion in the religious world. And this study, for me, helped me clarify who is a disciple and who is not. And if they get it, they have a chance of making it, sharing my true lifestyle. After I studied discipleship study, there was no doubt in my mind, I'm not a Christian. That was the first thing. The next question is, do I really want to be a Christian? <laughs> That's where the thing was. Because when I read what it meant to be a disciple of Christ, if I'm going to see it through, my dream, why did I read accountancy and tax? I wanted to make money. I wanted to do all the tax evasion issues, not, no, not evasion, avoidance issues, to make a lot of money. Okay. That was my goal. My goal wasn't to particularly follow Jesus and his purity and all that. That wasn't my goal in life. But when I went through that, oh my goodness, I thought I'm a Christian. I'm not. Now, the definition of a Christian is a high calling. What am I going to do? Okay. But that study, of course, it took probably six months for me to become a disciple. November, I came to church first. I got baptized in April. But I was counting the cost after that study. And I remember the day I decided, man, I can either not see this guy. We didn't have mobile phones. Nobody's going to. <laughs> you show up for the study. And I thought, am I going to this study or not? It was the day I made a decision. And I went and I said, I'm ready. Okay, so for me, that study is important. And when you study that with people, three things happen. They, they, they may decide they want to be disciples or not. And then there is the added issue of uh, the fear. So in my case, there was a fear. What if I don't laugh? What if I fail? There was a fear and there was doubt. Okay? And again, we need to deal with that. So the hindrances, what are the things stopping me from wanting to be a disciple? I had to be helped with the scriptures. So when we get to that, so what scriptures should we apply? It's all listed there. And again, if you have your Douglas Jacobi book, page 106 will give you that. Um, this is the book we're using. If you don't have one, talk to me and uh, I'll find one for you. The important thing, though, will be the questions we're going to ask our friends. I always say, if you're in a study and you talk more than your friend, you haven't done a good job. You should ask questions and they should do the talking because they need to have their conviction. You cannot impose your conviction on people. Yeah. They need to draw things out themselves. And it will be their conviction. Because if you are not there and somebody were to question them, they need to stand up and defend with the scriptures. Like, as I said, when I was getting baptized, my mom said, Oh, you were baptized six months old and brought a baptism certificate. What do you do? I said, Mom, let's look at the scriptures. I didn't even argue. I just looked at scriptures and... That was the end of the conversation. The scripture spoke. And so people studying the Bible should come to their own conviction 
because they are going to meet their religious friends as well who try to question what they've done. They are going to meet their friends on their courses who are atheists who are going to say, you are mad, what are you doing? They need to have conviction to be able to, and it comes by just asking questions for them to be able to. Then we always finish with uh, the challenge on discipleship is for people to draw the implication for themselves from the scriptures. As I said, after I said it, nobody had to tell me anything. I drew the implication from the scriptures. This is what it is going to be like. Okay. I may be somewhere in a little tiny village somewhere in Ghana teaching the gospel. This is what it is going to be like. I need to give up my girlfriend. Nobody told me that. I need to live a pure life. Nobody told me that. The scriptures spoke. I drew implication for my life. Okay. I had to change my schedule. I needed help with that, but you need to draw the implication. And then there was a challenge to share with a friend. And again, there is a brother in um, Leicester who is actually just, he's a doctor, you may know him now. And um, I was studying the Bible actually with William's friend. And he's also a medical student then. And we studied discipleship and I said, wow, so what are you going to do? What about uh, reaching out to a friend? He said, oh, no, no, none, none of my friends are interested. I said, you're a medical student. Actually, it was a Friday night. As Saturday, they, had, um, they were going for a course. And I said, I bet there will be somebody on your course. All you need to say is, look, I'm thinking of being a Christian. What do you think of Jesus? Would you want to come to church? I said, just say that. He went. He comes to church on Sunday with a big smile. He said, this is my friend William. I said exactly what he said. And he said, I would like to come to church. Now, William is a disciple. Do you understand what I'm saying? The one challenge. For me, that challenge was huge for me. I was timid. I looked at my friend, man, they would think I've gone mad. I'm not going to talk to them about Jesus. I'm not going to invite them to church. And that's why that guy I met, I thought about to mug me. And I said, would you want to study the Bible? It's a huge victory for me. Okay. But we all need to do the little challenges that come. Like when we do the word, the little challenges, we start reading the Bible. There are some little challenges, expectations that we go with when we study the Bible with people. We are not just giving information. Yeah. We want people to put it into practice in the, in the best way. Okay. So let's go into the scriptures. Acts 11 is where we start. It will be in your Bible. And... Um, yeah, Acts 11. Thanks for this, Roy. I'll eat that fruit later. Acts 11:26. You know the scriptures. So I always with um, begin conversationally, and um, have you heard the word Christian? I said to them, and everybody will say, "Yes, I've heard the word Christian." I said, "Tell me, who is who is a Christian?" And they will give me their definition of a Christian. And um, I said, have you heard of the word disciple? Also, they have heard the word disciple mostly. And I said, um, so what is the difference between the word disciple? What, tell me about who a disciple is. And they will say what it is. And I said, tell me, what is the difference between a disciple and a Christian? And they will, most people will come clear with the distinction. And I, I'll say, which one are you? Right now, which one do you think you are? And most people will say, I'm a Christian. 
but I'm not a disciple. I said, why do you think you're not a disciple? And again, they will qualify who a disciple is. And then um, we look at Acts 11:26. And um, and when he found them, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people, great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And so the question is, where the people that the word Christian was given to for the first time? Of course, it was the disciples. Now, at this point, some people really believe the word disciple equates apostle. So they'll say, no, 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 the disciples were just the twelve. How would you counter that? Yeah, double standard. But also, you remember, Jesus, the disciples were surrounding Jesus, and he said he chose 12. So the disciples were all there, and he chose 12 and designated them what? Apostles. So that word disciple is different from the word apostle. But apostle is a disciple too. But not all disciples are apostles. Which again is a great confusion in the charismatic churches. When you study the Holy Spirit with people, by the way. But when we get... So, the disciples were followers of Christ. And this is where it began. So, um, so ask them, who is a disciple? Yeah, go ahead. There are a lot of references in Acts to disciples. Sorry? There are references in Acts to the disciples. And we use word disciples to use about showing the sense of time. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I do ask people, once they see the difference, they realize the word Christian was given to the disciples of Christ. From then on, most people who said they are not disciples are already convicted. For me, I was. I realized, wow, I thought a disciple is this, but actually the word Christian was given to disciples. So if I'm not a disciple, which at that point I knew I wasn't, am I a Christian? The question mark was in my mind. So that's the first thing we do. And therefore, let's go and look at what Jesus calls a disciple. Okay. Now, before I even move there, I normally ask people, if anybody came here and wanted to be a Christian, okay, if I came on to, and they said, oh, why should I take the Bible, and I take the Bible, and I want to be a Christian, and I put Christian, it will, how many times do you think the word Christian will come up in the Bible? I ask them. You see what I'm saying? I said, how many times do you think the word Christian will come up? They said, a thousand times, some people say. And I probably said the same thing. But it just, again, shows my lack of knowledge or my assumption as to who Christianity, what Christianity was about. And the Bible was very specific. It's only three times. And if there is time, I look at the context even in which those three words appear. Okay, so in Psalm. 26:28, it appears when Paul was in court and was being made a laughing stock. Do you think you can make me a Christian in such a short while? And they were laughing at him. They were mocking him. That's the context. And then 1 Peter 4:16, the other context is 
he said if you are treated it shouldn't be that you are a murderer, a thief all those but if you are treated like a Christian the Christians were put in the context of such category of people it wasn't a particularly nice thing to be called and of course we know history that if you are a Christian you will be bent at stake you will be fed to the lions it took particular people to be able to own that brand I'm a Christian I'm a follower of Christ so that's the context in which we begin and we say so now we'll go and look at the call of a disciple the call of a disciple and we'll go to Mark 1 Mark 1 verse 16 to verse 20 as Jesus was beside the sea of Galilee he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen come follow me Jesus said and I'll send you out to fish for people at once they left their nets and followed him when he had gone a little further he saw James son of Zebedee and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets without delay he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him so this is the core of a disciple. And again, these people were going about their lifestyle. Come follow me. That is the first basic thing. A disciple is a follower of Christ. Come follow me. And he said, if you follow me, certain things will happen. You will become a fisher of man. You will. I will make you a fisher of man. The next question I ask them is... Um, how did they react to that call? At once, there was immediate obedience. A disciple, a will-be disciple, who want to obey Christ. Now, there may be tension as to, can I do this? Do I want to do this? But the heart is one of obedience. Obedience is, is important. Then, the two brothers, again, Jesus called them, without delay, again, they go for it. Then I ask the question, what could have stopped these two brothers from following Christ? They were with their dad. They were in their business. They were in, with their friends. So the hindrances, potential hindrances, will be looked at. And I ask people, if you want to be a disciple, what will stop you? Right now, what do you think will stop you? For me, girlfriend, academics, my sport, I listed loads of things things that could stop me. Of course, there was fear and uh, so many things. So the hindrances ought to be addressed. You cannot ignore it. Okay. And you need to ask specific questions according to the individual you are studying with. It may be their job. It may be they may be smoking. They may be getting drunk. It may be nightclubs. Whatever. It depends on the individual you are studying with. But it's important that you are able to get them to share really what their hindrances will be. So that's the first thing, a follower of Christ. They decide to be following Christ. And they will become fishers of men. I'll send you out to fish people. That will be a mark of a true disciple. We look at verse 35, the same chapter. Very early in the morning, while it was so dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. Okay, so the mm -hmm. other thing we see in Jesus' life was what? A life of prayer. Wow. And again, this is where it is important. When you are studying the Bible with people, I do pray. 
your life reflects a disciple. And you are not just passing on information. Because Jesus prayed. Amen. And if we are going to be his followers, at least we need to be aware that this is what we are going to do and we need to start putting it into practice. We need to pray. Okay. Verse 38. They were looking for Jesus. He said, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. If I'm going to follow Jesus, whose main sole purpose was to come and preach, what do you think I'm being called to do? I'll be called to preach the gospel. But on the point of prayer, I go on to refer to Luke 5.16, and you know the verse, um, he says, often Jesus will draw to lonely places where he will pray. This was Jesus' lifestyle. He often withdrew to lonely places where he will pray. And that doctor basically are studying the Bible with medical students. He was uh, then going through some whatever assessment. And he was telling me how stressful it is. I said, it's okay to leave the whatever consulting room, go to the toilet and pray for five minutes and come back. When we met, he said he wept. Of course he works when we pray. Often Jesus will draw to lonely places and pray. Chapter 6, verse 12 in Luke, he said, one day Jesus went to the mountainside to pray, and guess what? He spent the whole night praying to God. And when he came, he appointed the twelve. Chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, one of those days Jesus finished praying, the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. So, wow, those are the disciples of Christ that teach us to pray. We all need to learn how to pray. We all need to learn how to pray. Okay? And Jesus gave us an incredible model as to how to pray. So we talk about prayer. Okay? And at this point, how is the person about their prayer life? I share my prayer life with them. The chances are we pray together. Okay? So that is, the first was um, the call to be a fisher of man. The second is prayer. The third is John 8. Okay, the call, John 8. Again, you know the scriptures. John 8, verse 30 to 32. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. My first question on that. These people Jesus spoke to, did they believe in Jesus? Most people will say no. I said, okay, let's read it again. Did they believe in Jesus? Yes, they did believe in Jesus. Were they his disciples? No. He gave a condition as to how, as to how they would be his disciples. He said, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. Because most people think believing is enough to be a disciple of Christ. And it is not. These people believed in him, but he said, if you hold to my teaching... Then you are my disciples. Then you know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You see, if you, are not, if you don't become a disciple, you will not know the truth. And you will never be free. But you need to hold on to Jesus' teaching. So, at that point, the point is, are you holding on to Jesus' teaching? Which, seriously, I knew I wasn't reading my Bible at all. How could I know Jesus' teaching? And so the encouragement... It's for me to start reading the Gospels to know the teachings of Christ so that I can hold on to it. The next one was John 13. Again, 
the call of a disciple. 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Amen. It's important that some people feel loved and we love them. Okay. And you can love people through various means. If you are studying with students, one way to love them is to make sure they are on top of their academics. Okay. Know their timetable. I always share a, a, a case where there was a girl studying the Bible with an uh, Toby actually and um, we're meeting to study the Bible he phoned me and said oh I'm, I'm ready I said no you are not ready he said why I said because you're meant to be in lectures he said no I don't have lectures I said check your timetable he said we are right I have lectures I said that's why I'm not there you see I knew the guy's timetable more than he did but you need to help students to be on top of their timetable you need to help students to get up on time you need to help students to eat well. You need to help students to exercise. Okay. To manage their money. That is love. Amen. So Paul said, we just didn't pass on the gospel. We shared our lives with you as well. We need to love people. People need to know we care for them. We care for them. We are not just passing information. People ought to know we actually do care for them. Okay. And if you are not at a meeting... It's love for us to be able to know why they miss. Not because, oh, we want to check on attendance. No, something might have happened to them. We need to make sure they are okay. Again, I was studying the Bible with a friend who is um, actually head of government. He was a lawyer. And um, he went to Holy Trinity, Brompton. And he said, you know, I left town for two months. And none of my church, I came back, none of them even noticed I've missed church for two months. And I came to your service and everybody is talking to me. Not only that, but they phoned me the following day. Not only that, but I'm cycling with Pete Frost. Wow, I was so impressed. He found a love in the church. Because it wasn't just people were interested in his life. I didn't even know Sunday after church, he went to have dinner with another couple. He told me about it. I thought, wow, those couple didn't invite me for dinner before. How come you got invitation? Yeah, he was fired up. He loved the church, but he felt the love of the saints. So guys, love is important. We care for each other. We phone each other to make sure we, we, we are going to look after each other. My dear friend, Scott Wakefield, just got back from skiing in Italy. And guess what? If you come from Italy, what happens? <laughs> exactly. So I spoke to Scott. I said, Scott, how is it going? <laughs> so I said, every, bro, I said, this is perfect. Every day you and I can pray for 30 minutes on the phone. You, you get stuck in the attic, but we can pray, okay? We drop food at your door. You open the door and take it in and eat. But we're not going to fellowship or anything. But we need to care for Scott. So if you know Scott, please phone him. He'll be completely redundant for the next how many days. And uh, encourage him. That is Christian love right there. So we show love to each other. So that is the call of a disciple. Amen. The next one will go to the cost of discipleship. 
Luke chapter 9. You know the scriptures. Luke chapter 9. This is the cost of discipleship. Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself. Verse 23. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. This is the cost of being a disciple of Christ. He said, you will deny yourself and take up your cross every Sunday and follow me. Is it every Sunday? No, every day we are going to carry the cross and follow Christ. Isn't that beautiful? It's one of those scriptures I looked at and I thought, oh my goodness. Um, it's not going to be easy. But yeah, we need to deny ourselves. We need to put God first and we need to put people first. And that is what Jesus did. Okay. He doesn't force us to do it. But he said, if you are going to be my disciple, this is what you should do. I love Jesus. He never forced anybody to follow him. Wow. That's the beauty of um, he never forced anybody to follow him. In chapter, the same chapter, in verse 57, as they were walking along, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, well done. Thank you so much. Let's go. No, Jesus said, foxes have dens and birds of the happiness but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head you need to count the cost before you follow me it's not going to be easy Jesus never begged and coerced people to follow him actually he made them count the cost and we should do the same as a church amen we should present the gospel we are not coercing anybody we are not forcing anybody to follow Christ they should follow Christ out of love hopefully we'd have studied Jesus with them to see Christ he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Again, people look at this and say, that's so harsh. My father is dead, I need to bury him. No, no, no. If the father is dead, probably Jesus would have raised him up, which he did when he saw people about to bury their, their friends or children. Actually, the context is in the Middle East, you stay home till your father passed away, then you get your inheritance. If you leave home, guess what? You may never know what, when your dad died and you don't know who's going to get inheritance. This guy was waiting for his inheritance. That's what he was trying. Jesus said, no, you can't live like that. Go and proclaim the gospel. Another said, I'll follow you, but let me go and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is it for service in the kingdom of God? And again, here this person said, let me go and ask people's opinion whether it's a great thing to follow you. Let me say, good, say if they bid me well and said, well done, go and follow him, then I'll come. No, Jesus said, you can't do that. You take your stand and you go and do what is right. Amen. And of course, Luke 14, again, this is where people get confused. Is Jesus telling us we should hate everybody? Luke 14, 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. 
And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Wow, what a hard line statement to say. But, yeah, he said, If you love these people more than me, you cannot be my disciple. That's what it comes to. If you want to build a supper, he said, You sit down count the cost, verse 28. Then he finished in verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Jesus is so uncompromising. Wow. Jesus is so uncompromising. Okay. But, um, yeah. But if you look at the is it Mark 10 as well as UK 18, he said, everyone who gave up these things will receive 100 times more in this life and with what? Persecution. And in the life to come, eternal life. So really, in terms of transaction, we are not giving up anything at all. If you think you are giving up something, you are getting 100 times more. But nonetheless, we need to give up things. Then finally, Matthew 28. This is a commission the disciple. Matthew 28. And again, this scripture was very helpful to me, personally. In verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And um, all authority has been given to you. He said, therefore, go and make disciples. I said, go. Is it active or passive command? Some people think, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll sit and let my light shine. And people will come and talk to me. Roger, you look so nice and calm. Can I come to your church? It doesn't happen. Okay. We proactively go. We go and engage with people. Go. Make disciples of all nations. The beauty again when I first came to the church was, wow. I was used to going to a church where it would be purely Ghanaian. Or purely Nigerians or purely Africans. And I came to church and all the nations were there. I thought, whoa, what's happening here? You know? Make disciples of all nations. And I tell you, it's easy to speak to your kind. It's easy for me to go and speak to Ghanaians. I know the jokes. I know their tribes. Ghanaians mention their names and I said, you come from that tribe. And they said, how do you know? And you understand what I'm saying? What about the English person who is not my kind? Jesus said, that's the person I should go for. You understand what I'm saying? It's so easy to speak to our kind. But Jesus wanted us to go to everywhere. This is something, if you read the book of Acts, even the disciples of Christ couldn't understand. Because Peter refused to baptize Cornelius. A miracle has to come from heaven to convince him, you are not believing what I sent you to do before he baptized Cornelius. He thought the Gentiles shouldn't come in. And that is the common, so we need to be able to reach out to those beyond our kind. Do you understand what I'm saying? Old people are afraid of reaching out to young people. It's okay to speak to young people. 
and invite them to church. They may call you sir, that's okay. Okay. Guys are afraid of preaching to girls. It's okay to reach a female if you're a guy. Have a pure mind for sure. I've confessed my sins where I didn't have a pure mind when I reached out to that girl. Do you remember? I shared a story with you. Okay. God used it. But um, it's okay. If you're a lady, it's okay to reach out to a guy. Actually, I was invited to church by a lady, actually. It was library books. I borrowed library books, borrowed her bag, and then um, she invited me to church. And I came, and I loved the fellowship. There was football team, there was hockey team. I thought, this is where I need to be. It's not so much the gospel. The gospel came later. But um, my point is, we need to reach out to all people. We need to reach out to all people. And we need to be so challenged that, yeah, we need to go beyond tribal, racial, whatever boundaries, national boundaries. That's what we are called to do. So, ask yourself, the people I reach out to, are they just of my kind? Or do I go beyond? It's important that we do that. Amen? All people, he said, uh, baptize them. So I do ask people, who is qualified to be baptized? That's the first question I ask. In this, who is qualified to be baptized? Okay. That's the first question. We discuss that. Who is qualified to be baptized? And then, uh, because certainly it's not children. Okay, this will be adults who've made a decision they want to follow Christ. Then my next question is, why did Christ want these people to be baptized? And I glance through Acts 2.38 very quickly and come back. Okay. So that their sins will be forgiven. But before they get baptized, what should they do according to Acts 2.38? Repent. Repent of what? Of sin. Okay. So our next study will look at the topic of sin. I, I prepare for the next study. Okay. Baptize them in the name of the Father. And then teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Wow. Teaching continues. In fact, even more so after baptism. Before baptism, we are, just, just, we are just teaching the gospel commands as to how to be saved. But after baptism, the teaching becomes even more important because you are going to make disciples as well. And then we have the chain, don't we? The chain reaction. When one person meets one person and another person, it keeps going. And that collection of chain reaction is the church. And finally, Jesus said, I'm with you always if you do this. Guys, we are not doing this on our strength. Jesus is with us. I believe that's with all my heart. Jesus is with us always as we obey his commands. And as a church, we should be confident in doing that. Okay? So after I finished this, I said, look, so here is the biblical definition of a disciple. We follow Christ. We leave everything. We make Jesus the Lord of our life. Okay, we want to put his teachings into practice. We want to pray. We want to love. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross daily. We are devoted to prayer. We imitate him. We love the disciples like Jesus loved them. Okay, 
we are taught to become disciples by a disciple. Uh, we are baptized, repented, we are being taught to obey, we are making disciples. We see all these things and then I go, does it describe your life? Does it describe your life? For me, the answer was no. Most people will say no. So, if it does not describe your life, would you say you are a Christian? If a disciple is a Christian and a Christian is a disciple, most people will say no. Would you want to be a disciple? Because I wouldn't assume they want to be a disciple. They may look at it and say, thank you very much, but I don't want to be a disciple. Yeah. Most people have said that too. And then uh, if they want to be disciples, as I said, I said, uh, yeah. I'd, let, I'd get them to draw the implication for themselves. Have you been a disciple or not? When I realized I've not been a disciple, immediately the implication was, wow, the church I'm going to, how come they didn't show me this? Is it because they didn't know or they didn't love me enough to show it to me? I'm, I'm drawing my own implications. What is this going to be for my life going forward? My schedule, my ambitions. You see, now I have to realign all these things with um, what Christ calls me to be. So I'm drawing my own implication. And of course there is a little practical challenge. So am I going to step out and start putting this into practice? Am I going to speak to the people on my course? Which I must confess I was so afraid I couldn't even do it. I had to reach out to people outside. But I knew I had to do it. I had to grow in boldness to be able to do it. Okay. Now, potential issues I put there will be issues to do with timeline. What do I mean by that? So, for example, um, Jabu and Cameron have a friend who are studying the Bible with. The last time we met, he brought another friend who, he said, look, this guy knows the Bible more than I do. I want you to answer his questions. So I asked the guy, how did you get converted? And he went through his whole conversion. I was asking him questions as we went along. And he thought, hmm, I'm a bit confused. Can I come to your church and start studying the Bible too? But that is the timeline. You are asking, he said he, the, he received the Holy Spirit at the age of 12. I said, how did you do that? I'm not, I'm not um, arguing with his experience. Yeah. By the way, never argue with people's experience. Just ask questions. I said, oh, tell me a little bit about how di- when did you get saved? When did you receive the Holy Spirit? When did you repent of your sins? When did? And he was narrating all this, and I'm just asking questions. His experience is an experience. But I wanted his experience to align with what the scripture teaches. That's what the goal will be. So when I say the timeline, normally is to deal with false doctrine as well. False teaching. So, this is really what um, discipleship will be about. Just helping people, am I a disciple of Christ or not? We are not there to condemn. We are just going to say, Looking at your life, as in Second Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Okay, we are putting the scriptures forward. People are examining their lives to see if they are in the faith. If not, we encourage them to come into the faith and live righteously. Amen. And uh, we've all done it, but as I said, when we are doing it, make sure your personal life, you are sharing your experience with that person as well what the struggles were, how you made the decisions, so that they don't think it's too difficult 
It may sound too difficult, but actually it's not too difficult. We are all... Why would God make something difficult for us? If all he wants is for us to be saved. He said, my commands are not bad in so. That's what he says. And so, it's our heart that may be hardened, but God's commands are not bad in so. And we put this so that others may be saved. So, I think discipleship study, as I said, should be able to clear religious confusion. And that's what the scripture should do. For some people it may take one time, for some people it may take more than one time. I can see the children, so yes, our class is done for today.